0: This is episode 146 of the Empowered Team Podcast. Welcome to the Empowered Team Podcast, where we explore how to optimize your performance in career, sport, and life. And now your host, Vitality and Peak Performance Coach, Kari Schneider.
1: all right five minute facts for intermittent fasting here we are first one number one intermittent fasting in science is technically referred to as fasting for at least 24 hours however what's become interchangeable in intermittent fasting is other ways of time restricted eating so even though in science they like to refer to as fasting as being at least a 24 hour span of time, now because there's so many different types of fasts, intermittent fasting is typically a 24 hour fast or an 18 and six, meaning 18 hours of fasting, a six-hour window of time of eating, or a 20 and 4, which is a 20-hour of fasting and four-hour window of eating or what's called an OMAD, which just stands for one meal a day. So that's number one. Number two, what happens when you are intermittent fasting? There's a number of things that happen, but some of the top things that are validated in research that happen are that cholesterol goes up, both your HDL and your LDL. Insulin and glucose both go down fatty acid oxidation is is typically the reason why people think that these things are happening that the cholesterol is going up both the good and the bad cholesterol and the insulin and glucose are going down because the food sources aren't coming in there's fatty acid oxi- fatty acid oxidation going on and that is causing uh ketone bodies to be released which are a byproduct of fatty acid oxidation that's number two Number three, fat loss and muscle. So the fat loss, a lot of people will experience some fat loss over intermittent fasting, especially if they keep following some sort of cycling of intermittent fasting. And then the question becomes, well, is there going to be muscle loss? Not necessarily. Intermittent fasting can actually be anabolic in nature because when somebody comes off of a fast, they often have an increase in a little bit of testosterone and growth hormone. So it doesn't have to be um, catabolic on the muscle tissue, it can become anabolic. But there's a big deciding factor in there when it comes to fat loss and muscle tissue. And that deciding factor is the overall caloric intake. So for instance, if somebody is intermittent fasting and it just so happens that their overall caloric intake is less than what it was before chances are they're going to experience some fat loss if their caloric intake even if they're just having one meal a day is the same caloric intake as it was if they were having three meals in a day then that is going to mean that they they likely maintain their weight overall and may not experience some fat loss so that's, there's a, a real kind of catch there when it comes to intermittent fasting because a lot of people dive into intermittent fasting for weight reasons and the weight reasons may not actually come to fruition for them if they're eating the same number of calories overall. But there are so many health benefits that come into play that it may be worth exploring even if somebody's not looking to lose weight overall. So what else, number four, Physiological performance and function go up when you are on intermittent fasting type of cycles. It slows the aging process. It also is disease protecting and immune boosting, and it improves brain function clarity and uh, um, what we call is, now I can't think of it. Yeah, it's learning. It's basically your, your neural capacity, your capacity to make more neurological connections. And number five are the contraindications for intermittent fasting. So the contraindications would come down to things like pregnancy. Also some disease states are contraindicated for, for intermittent fasting, but a lot of it is because it's just an unknown. So for instance, if there is Um, somebody with type two diabetes, it would make sense for them to potentially explore intermittent fasting, but still that's listed as one of the contraindications because there's a lot of unknowns overall, if there's complications with the type two diabetes, however, so there's, there's a lot of gray area there. There's a lot of unknown there. Another contraindication is eating disorders. If somebody's had some obsessive compulsive behaviors around eating, then having some intermittent fasting typically isn't a great call because they're already obsessing about eating or not eating food. So that would be another main contraindication. Another one that's come up as well is is menopausal, perimenopausal women because of hormonal changes and whether when somebody's close to menopause, whether fasting or not having readily available food, or that's what the body perceives, will that send them into early menopause situation? So just to recap these really quickly, number one, it's a 24 hour, 18 and six, or 20 and four, or one meal a day. Number two, there's lots of changes that happen. Cholesterol goes up. So if you've got a genetic predisposition, For high cholesterol, you might want to be aware of that ahead of time because the good and the bad cholesterol often go up. Insulin and glucose is going down during a fast. Fatty acid oxidation is happening, releasing ketone bodies. And that's where you're getting your energy from is the ketones. You're not getting it from the glucose. Glucose is what your brain wants to thrive on and so does your immediate energy in your body, your blood glucose, your body wants to thrive on. So when you're not used to relying on a different energy source, it feels miserable at first, but then you can adapt to it. You become fat adapted and that makes a difference. And then there's the question of fat loss that depends on the overall caloric intake and the question of muscle loss as well physiological function and performance up, slows aging, it is disease protectant, immune boosting, brain boosting, and then contraindication pregnancy, some diseases, and eating disorders. So I wanna open up the questions now. You can pop in the chat what your question might be, and we will uh, address any of those questions. And they can be related to intermittent fasting first, with those questions we'll take first, and then we will field any other questions with regard to training wellness nutrition health as long as i can look for the answer most doctors dietitians mix a ketogenic diet with intermittent fasting and vice versa yes yeah, so that is that is true a lot of doctors will recommend that however even neurologists recognize that intermittent fasting is very very helpful for seizures and other related disorders, uh, for the brain. And what I, I talked to one neurologist who's very, um, does a lot of research and has a lot of papers or a lot of patients with, uh, epilepsy. And he said that they don't give intermittent fasting diets to adults because most adults have too hard of a time adhering to it, they only try that with children because the children can stick to it more readily and, and become go into a ketogenic state and the adults simply don't. Now here's another thing I didn't add on those five minute facts and it's this, that we typically do not uh, advise purposefully going into a ketogenic state or intermittent fasting on the regular for Power based athletes. So, power based athletes produce more power from having the glycogen and the glucose stores. Whereas, personally, I've had much more success with something like intermittent fasting and becoming more fat dependent um, for endurance athletes. So, athletes who are doing really long distance events, triathlon or 100 uh, mile runs or ultras or things like that. Uh, So another question, what is allowed during the fasting time? Just water and how often and how long? So for instance, typically it's a minimum for a fast of 24 hours or an 18 hour fast with a six hour eating window, a 20 hour fast with a four eating window or one meal a day. So the question would be, and I think the person asking this question, I think already does kind of a protocol like that, maybe an 18 and six, something along those lines, I would guess that you fall into that 18 and six and how you ordinarily eat. So the question being, it's typically just water or tea or coffee. And those, the the standard is typically five calories or less. It's something that, you know, if there was a tiny squirt of lemon in it, it's that five calorie or less would still mean that you're still fasting and staying in the fasting protocol quite well. So that would um, that would usually fit into the fast. People, there's a lot of debate over somebody doing something like a bulletproof coffee where they've got uh, butter, MCT oil, or things like that in the bulletproof coffee because it's got so many of the calories. But the blend of fats typically still keep those ketone bodies going. So some people like to still call it fasting, but most hardcore intermittent fasters will say, no, it's that five calories or less as staying on the fast in that span of time of the 24 hours, the 18, the 20, or the one meal a day. Okay. Other questions. What else you got? Oh, and the how often the other question is a lot of people cycle this. So cycling works much better for most people than trying to go through this all the time. So for instance, um, some people cycle four days on and then two days off and keep going on something like that. Um, Some people do uh, some form of fasting on the regular. What I recommend for my clients who are not necessarily intermittent fasting, I recommend that they have at least 12 hours of no eating. So 12 hours of just, if they, if they had their last meal at eight, they have their first meal at eight in the morning. So at least a break from eating because our body needs that. That's part of where, when you look at these other things happening, some of the physiological function and slowing aging, some of that has, it has nothing to do with the fact that um, when it comes to the ketone bodies or some of the shifts there, some of what it has to do with is the cleanup process that goes on with the cells, when all of our energy isn't going for digestion. So some of it is just simply because our body needs a break from digesting and can go and do a lot of cleanup processes and, uh, and cell apophagy, cell death, all of those good things that happen to clean up that process. So the how often is often cyclical for a lot of people um, but, uh, minimally a 12 hour, no eating span is very, a very healthy choice. Um, other questions or concerns, any on fat loss or, um, muscle gain, and I'll bring in another question that someone else had. And feel free to unmute yourself if you have a specific question that you want to ask.
0: I was going to add one thing that's um, just through my probably last year of experimenting with intermittent fasting and ketogenic diets is um, a lot of evidence shows like if you're actually utilizing ketones, right? It actually, whether it be endogenous through a ketogenic diet or intermittent fasting or exogenous through BHP beta hydroxybutyrate, um, it decreases ghrelin, which is the hunger hormone. So, so many times my friends are like, How did you, last week I just found myself working and I went through a 26 hour fast and I was like, oh crap, like I should eat. My friends are like, how do you just end up doing that? And I was like, honestly, like by the, by this point, like I'm just not hungry per se, but I know that I need to eat. And a lot of that goes down to the hunger hormone ghrelin, which spikes so much when you're having those insulin spikes and so on that you were referring to at the beginning. I mean, you could go down a whole rabbit hole for hours and hours and hours upon all this, but that's one thing that actually helps fend off the hunger pangs and whatnot
1: it's a huge point that you're you're going for here because th- this is key because what what deters people from trying an intermittent fast is the almost unmanageable hunger and what you're pointing to with that so What what he's talking about in terms of the ketone bodies, he's basically saying that you're either going to produce your own ketones or you can take them externally. And when you take them externally, it produces some of the same responses in your body, gets you into a state of ketosis faster. But I'm going to stick it with mostly just the intermittent fasting because the intermittent fasting, if you go for 24 hours of intermittent fasting, that's going to produce the ketonic state right there. So it's one of the fastest ways to produce that ketonic state. The problem is, is that physiologically, most of our bodies are adapted to having carbs fairly regularly. Now, I don't wanna make it sound as though carbs are, you know, the devil or the worst thing in the world or anything like that, that's not the point. The point is that our bodies are designed to go for spans of time without eating, and the way that our world is structured is that we're being fed food all of the time. And so what's happening with those hormones, what, what he's pointing to with the hormones is that ghrelin, this hormone that says feed me now, is stimulated once you're, with your glucose goes up and then we've got insulin goes up to bring the glucose down. But as soon as that happens, the insulin response makes you, uh, triggers the ghrelin response. And that ghrelin goes, feed me now. As soon as this goes up and down just a little bit, it says, give me more glucose. Keep feeding the cycle, give me more glucose. And so what you want is this this other hormone called leptin. And leptin is this hormone that basically is going, it, it says, oh, I've got this fullness from all the fiber you gave me, from the fluid you gave me, from that really nourishing nutrients and all the stuff you gave me. So there's little receptors in your stomach. There's also a signal to your brain. And both of those signal this other hormone called leptin that just says, Hey, you're satiated, you're full and you feel good. But the thing about intermittent fasting to bring this all together, intermittent fasting allows you to start to rely more on your fat stores then instead of constantly relying on the glucose and the glycogen, the glucose is the sugar in your blood and the glycogen is your stored sugar in your muscles and in your liver. So instead of constantly uh, relying on your immediate sugar in your blood or your stored sugar in your muscles or your liver, what intermittent fasting does is trains your body to start to eat the fat instead, to start to rely on the fat as a fuel source and break that down. And when you get to that adapted space, you're gonna stop feeling hungry. Whether you're getting the ketones from that fat breaking down, or you're getting those ketones from an outside source, taking them externally, but either way, you're gonna start to rely on the fat as a fuel source. And when that happens, That's the magic spot where you're not going up and down with your glucose glucose and insulin and you're not feeling like you're ravenous. You're not feeling like you're starving all the time. And that's the difference. And the easiest way to get there is to take the 12 hours of not eating and add an hour to it and add another hour to it. The easiest way to get there that I've had with clients consistently, like some people have the mindset, like, oh, I'm doing this and then they do it. And it might be really hard at first, but once they realize they can do it, they keep going with it. And I'm guessing that that's what Andrew's gone through is that he kind of like, it was really hard at first, he forced him through and now it's like a cakewalk, he's got it. But a lot of people struggle so hard that they can't quite get to that point. So 12 hours, most people can do. And then if they've done 12 hours for say four days, Maybe they want to try 13 hours, 14 hours. For most people, the easiest one to do for an extended period of time is 16, 16 and eight. And they step into that. And a lot of people stick with a 16 and eight for life and feel fan-freaking-tastic. free So a lot of people, I pointed to what the most common intermittent fasting methods are, but a lot of people don't even consider themselves intermittent fasting anymore. It's more of a time-restricted eating and they just go with a 16 and an eight because it fits their lifestyle. A lot of people who do an 18 and a six or a 20 and four, they go and have this window of eating be somewhere between say, 4 p.m. and 9 p.m., somewhere in there, because that's where it's most socially acceptable. And then they're not missing out on the social connection of eating with other people or connecting with other people over food. So that's usually where people who want to cyclically intermittent fast, they usually put their window in that time. Um, just saying, int- listening to a podcast, you regulate your lef- leptin response best by regulating your circadian rhythm. Yes. So your sleep cycle is one of the biggest contributors to leptin regulation and response. Absolutely. There's so many things that contribute to that circadian rhythm. So your circadian rhythm is your 24 hour cycle that our bodies are with. And there's so many things that influence it being things like light and food. Those two things, light and food really influence your circadian rhythm. So that can also give you some of the cues. So for instance, if I do, um, it's not a fast, but if I do 48 hours of a juice cleanse, I know exactly when I'm going to be hungry. Not because of, I'm not hungry at the times that you'd think I'd be hungry because it's been two days of only some juice. I'm hungry at the times I normally eat because my body's been physiologically trained, and I'm on the circadian rhythm. And within that circadian rhythm, our body goes through also these 90 minute cycles as well. I can go into that for working purposes. But that is key. Because our body wants to eat at that specific time, because we've trained it to. So we can also untrain it to do that as well. So I would always feel hungry at for sure, the afternoon, right before dinner, after the first day, the second day. But the second day in, I've been fast. Uh, I've been juice cleansing, not fasting, but juice cleansing for two days. And on the third day of the morning, most of my family would think I'm ravenous and ready for a meal, and you know, ready to dive in. And I'm not. I'm not at all. I'm fine. Even though I'd normally have a meal then, by that point, it's just like, yeah, I could get, take it or leave it, whatever, you know. So. Um What else? What else does uh, there was another fat loss for sure. Okay, so fat loss and intermittent fasting. There's just a simple key here for that, and it just means that your overall caloric intake has to be a little bit less than what your overall caloric intake would have been if you weren't intermittent fasting. Now what happens for a lot of people, when you time restrict your eating, it suddenly cuts out one or two snack times that would just fill that 2 to 500 calories that you would just need to put your put your overall intake down a notch so if you're looking for overall fat burning it's as easy as sometimes just going a 16 hour fast or intermittently going through that or simply deciding that you know on I I know one person does a 24 hour fast every Sunday, because that's one of the easiest places to do it based on their training cycle. So here's the other thing. And this is what a lot of the research does not talk about. It's training, it's weightlifting, running, all of those things while you're in intermittent fasting, because that can throw a bit of a wrench into the plans when you want to have that energy coming through. So a lot of power training is you're going to feel like you're struggling because you don't have the stored glycogen in your muscles. However, you learn to, your body adapts and you can still get the energy you need. You're just not going to have um, your top-notch power output if you're looking for that. But you can absolutely train through in a fasted state and it's not going to hurt you. Um There's going to be the exception to the rule, you know, you want to make sure you're healthy overall, but, uh, those, I want to throw those steps in there too. Okay. Other questions that you have on intermittent fasting, or we have time for one or two other questions unrelated, or you can keep it all related to intermittent fasting. If you'd like, what do you got? No, 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 nothing.
0: I'll just say one thing, one of my hacks, if you will, is carbonated water. I find it so much more satiating than flat water. And uh, I mean, if you were to talk to maybe, and you alluded to this, uh, Kari, like tea and coffee are completely kosher from my knowledge, unless you're doing a complete water cleanse or even a dry fast. Yeah. Or a water fast or a dry fast, like, because Coffee, although it's got a bean and all that, it's technically calorie-free, or at least yeah. five or less.
1: Yeah, yeah, Calorie uh, coffee fits, tea fits, water, carbonated water fits, as long as there's not other calories in. It all fits in, but as one person's pointing out, does not, the thought of drinking coffee black when they're not normally drinking coffee back black, but not with milk.
0: Yeah, oh, so, I didn't see that, okay.
1: So that, that one, though, is... I've, I've seen people wean themselves off of that too. And you know I've run retreats where much to people's agony, we've done them with no, with no coffee. So we've run retreats and one of them was for a week in Mexico and I thought they were going to kill me on the first couple of days, like complete anarchy. And anyway, by the end of it, but actually by the fourth day, they were feeling fantastic. Most people's coffee, uh, it's a caffeine addiction, but coffee fits into an intermittent fast, no problem, as long as you can just kind of cut that milk out a little bit. Um, but uh, that's, that's, that's up to you. And, and the other thing to consider is, like I said, it's, it's going with the time-restricted eating first, and then you wouldn't even find that that's a pain point. So once you just start uh, blending that 12 hour into 13 hour into 14 hour, then, you know, oh, I'm just going to have my coffee at, you know, 10 a.m. instead of 8 a.m. or I'm going to have my coffee at 8 a.m. instead of 6 a.m. Then it's an easier thing to to stomach. Uh, And the other thing I was going to say with coffee, what was it? I can't remember. But yeah, coffee totally fits in as long as it's black. Um, And but but this is the a lot of people find mentally that it is so relieving to not be worrying about their food all of the time or their intake all of the time. It's just like, oh, I'm not eating until then. So then it happens. Personally, for me, I have such a hard time um, eating a larger meal. I like my meals smaller. I feel better with smaller meals. So then that means I'm eating a little more frequently and I don't want to go, but I, I go a long period of time without eating because then I find I can't get enough food in because I feel gross if I'm eating a bigger meal. So that's one of the things, that's one of the hurdles I have. But I also find on the flip side that if it's been Christmas or we've been traveling and I'm eating foods that maybe it was a small meal but it's so much richer than I'm used to having. Maybe it's duck confit or you know a Christmas dinner or whatever. Then I'll find the easiest thing is, is I don't have my evening snack. So I've cut it out there. So maybe the last meal was 6 p.m. And then if I'm still feeling like it's really, then I'll just go right until noon and miss my breakfast meal, and then turn that into just a time-restricted eating. And then I feel fantastic, even though it's been a super rich meal or super um, different than maybe what I would have ordinarily eaten. Um, One last question before we go through, anything specific to that or different, you can add anything you'd like. I love that we've stuck to this topic the whole time because I think it'll really add value for those who are uncertain. Yeah, lastly, I would just say that the hunger thing, like anything, takes some adaptation and it usually takes people the first one to two weeks to feel better with that. And, and that's why I just suggest those little hour increases of going f- without food to add that in. And the only other thing I would say is that some clients I've seen who have gone into intermittent fasting, then they feel like when they, if they have a cheat day or they have a day that's not intermittent fasting, if they have that kind of um, a little bit of obsessiveness around food, then they start eating a whole bunch on that off day. But you know that you really, you realize that it's not about the food when you are finding that you're feeling better and better. And that's the reward. And oftentimes, you'll find that if it's, if it's if somebody's going into it and it's all about the all about the weight or they want the weight right away or things like that then that's probably not the way to go is intermittent fasting because you you want to you want to step into it for feeling better you want to step into it for a long-term fat loss a long-term health change so then it's just small changes and incremental yeah i think i think uh, i think Andrew and i could talk about this topic for hours too that's awesome okay beautiful questions everyone thank you for your interest in this i hope this opens up for you and also feel free to if you try it out if you try out some intermittent fasting a little bit here or there then let us know your experience and by all means ask the questions you can put it in our um our topics in the communication part if you've tried it and you have a question put it in there because i will address that question so pop it in that chat spot (laughs) have a beautiful beautiful rest of your day if you enjoy listening to the empowered team podcast you'll love being on the team the empowered team runs year-round it is our group coaching and accountability program where we take mindset and physical performance concepts and break them down to usable action steps that optimize results To join, email us at info at empowerconditioning.com with subject line team. That's info at empowerconditioning.com. We can't wait for you to be on the team.